You guys certainly had a lot of rock influence and more so than a lot of other R&B groups, you know, quote unquote. But, um, you know, aside from Who's That Lady and Fight the Power, the Isley's 3 Plus 3 did not cross over that much, like on the pop side of things. Did you guys care about that at all? Or, you know, you had a huge following. You went platinum with everything. But you only had a couple of songs that crossed over. Did you care? Uh, yes and no. Uh, because we knew that um, what we were doing was that particular and uh, you know you do a record then it, you know this is a three plus three and it here's a, a record called that lady and that's the Isley brothers well prior to that lady there was really nothing we did nothing the Isley brothers did that sounded like that and it was hits you know certainly this a heart of mine's a hit uh, Twist and Shouts a hit. It's your things a hit, but it didn't sound like that lady. And at the time, the music, the musical climate uh, and terrain was uh, changing. Anyhow, um, there were a lot of uh, good records out there. A lot, you know, the Philly International stuff, the Gambling Huff were doing with. Uh, OJ's and Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes and all the whole roster of artists was great. Uh, Motown was changing um, a la Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder. You know, it didn't sound like the Motown records by those particular artists had changed and, and were changing. And so, you know, we just sort of followed in the direction of change yourself and eventually you know sometimes you can do stuff that people catch up to you know they don't they may not get it right away but i think that uh in some ways the records that we did uh were out front they were ahead of the time so that we could do between the sheets and then they come back at us in another way we would never imagine by way of hip hop, MTV, rap, and uh, Biggie Smalls, or, or Footsteps in the Dark, come back with Ice Cubes. Today was a good day. Uh, At your best, you will love. We never released as a single, but it's a signature hit for Aaliyah. It has a strong emotional connection to her. Um, there's a song that uh, that just got a, a ASCAP award this year. Uh, called Before I Do, which is a sample of Aaliyah's sample <laughs> of the Icy Brothers at your best you are love. So, um, you know, we're in the fine print. People start examining the fine print of rock and roll. So you say Isley, or uh, the Beatles are aware of Isley. Uh, Jimi Hendrix is aware of Isley. Uh, the rappers <laughs> and MTV think they're aware of Isley, you know. So like, and that's without us being uh, with the rap thing, without us being the featured artist, you know. Some people would 
Yeah, I love it when you call me Big Papa. Throw your hands in the air, you're a true player. And they're into Biggie, but it's like Biggie's into Isley. And when you read the fine print, you, you know, for some people, they find that out. There was, called, cool, yeah. there was a guy that called the uh, radio station in New York when uh, Big Papa was out. And we heard about this top uh, rap station in New York that played chiefly rap, except for th three exceptions. Isley Brothers, Earth, Wind & Fire, and Stevie Wonder. And uh, the, uh, the program director told us that not too long before we got there on the station that uh, they had played Between the Sheets. And uh, they got a call from a listener. Uh, yo, man, I want to know why the Ozzy brothers decided to sing all over top of Biggie's song. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, Because, okay. I mean, I, I respect I respect the Isleys, you know what I'm saying? But they should respect what's going on now, you know, in the music scene, you know, in Biggie. You know? And the program director busted out laughing and said, hey, look, my man, I'll tell you what you do. You go down to Virgin Megastore, you go through the CDs, you come to the letter I, you see I-S-L-A-Y, you see a song in there, an album in there entitled Between the Sheets. That was there in 1983. Biggie copied off of the Isleys. The Isleys did not copy off of Biggie. Oh, okay, man. Peace out. <laughs> and then he hung up. <laughs> so no, that, kind of stuff, that kind of stuff, you know, you hear it makes you laugh. I mean, uh, when I was in sixth grade and we were all singing on a school bus, y'all was it? Every song that the Beatles did, you know, she loved you, yeah. When I saw her standing there, please, please be my, yeah, my God, please you. And then all of a sudden, there's a Beatles song called Shake It Up, Baby, Shake It Up, Baby, Just Dance and I'm out on the playground bouncing a kickball. And like four or five people came over to me and said, hey, Ernie, the Beatles, you know, they took your brother's song, Twist and Shout. How you feel about that? I said, well, actually, they didn't take it. They were just listening. And they listened and they liked it. And they did it. And I'm so glad that they did it. Because it shows that they were listening. And that turns out to be a feather in the Isley Brothers' cap. And that's really all that is, you know. And I ran into Paul McCartney um, uh, in 2011 um, at the estate, uh, the Perlman Estate in upstate New York. Um, the Perlman family owns Revlon. And uh, Ronald and I had just performed. You know, naturally, we try to take all the air out the room. <clears throat> and I'm leaving the stage. And as I'm getting back to my seat, my wife, Tracy, says, uh, Paul McCartney's over there. And I said, where? He's about three tables away. So I didn't even really sit down. I went, I weaved through the tables. I got over to where he was. I tapped him on his elbow. He stood up at his full height and gave me a bear hug. The damn near cut my breath off. <laughs> <laughs> and both of us are talking at the same time. And I said, Paul, you, Ringo, and George and John, you guys are just wonderful. And he said, Ernie, if it were not for the Isley Brothers, the Beatles would still be in Liverpool. 
And then uh, later on that evening, not too long after that, we were all on stage together doing Twist and Shout. It was the first time that the Isley Brothers and a Beatle or Beatles ever did it together. And um, it was spectacular. It was uh, Isley's, uh, John Bon Jovi, uh, Richie Sambora, Usher, Jennifer Hudson. And who doesn't know the words of Twist and Shout? That's like happy birthday. Yeah. So everybody, everybody was singing it in the room, you know. And ah, 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 no, 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 And people standing around, you're standing over there, like, now what do we do? What's next? And it's like, man, that's kind of it. You, you won't get any higher than that, you know, uh, in a live performance. That was like kind of it. And we, we took a photograph together uh, backstage. It was great. So that's great. That's all, that's all about music, being able to connect people. So it's great. You, when you're talking about the Isley Brothers and some people not realizing the, the reach and breadth and the importance that they've had through decades, um, you, you know, I look at Ernie Isley as one of the most important and best guitar players of his generation. But Thank you. Particularly, you know, in funk, R&B, soul, but, you know, anyway, you slice it, rock. And mm-hmm. I think also one of the most underappreciated and underrated how do you feel about that oh that's just you know that's just people sitting around and you're going you know when you start naming names you're going to call the same names you you know you can't help but automatically call the same names it's almost in some ways programmed that way you're going to call the same names that are always called but that does not stop uh, anyone from picking up a guitar and playing. That doesn't stop any. As a matter of fact, I would encourage people, you know, to pick up a guitar and play it. Um, you know, because you can call the names as you call, but, you know, I think a guitarist, I could say uh, Curtis Mayfield, Jose Feliciano, um, Pat Metheny, uh, <laughs> of course, I have to call Carlos Santana because I was just waiting in the studio, which was a joy, you know. But uh, you know, you're gonna call the names that you call. But uh, you know, if you make a contribution, if a contribution has been made, I think the folks know it. They know it, and when you, after you, want to, you know. Uh, call some more names, you realize that you need a bigger table with a whole lot more chairs because there's quite a few people sitting in there, not just, you know, four or five. That's quite a few. And there's an appreciation amongst the uh, musicians. I mean, uh, Richie Sambora was, after the show, was trying to put my guitar, my zeal, Stratocaster on white with lavender roses, and you know, he was like, What tar is beautiful? Yeah, thank you. It's my my design, it is a strat. And everybody that sees the guitars are like, Ernie, guitars are just beautiful, they're flat out beautiful. 
Thank you. So there's all kind of ways to be heard as uh, well as seen. And um, you know you're making um, some sort of an impact when you can hear I'll be in a, a shopping mall or something and hear that lady. Or I'll uh, hear uh, Summer Breeze somewhere or Harvest for the World. You know, so the, the songs are, are, to this day, are still being heard and still being played. And that's a good thing. Now, I got people still to this day asking me, man, how did you get that tone? How did you get that sound? Well, I got it, and it happens to be me. If you do something and you make your guitar sound like that, that's great, but you sound like me. You know, you, <laughs> the challenge is to find your sound, if that's what you're trying to do, and sound like you. So, uh, you know, it's, in, in the end, it turns out to be all good. At the time, in the 70s, were you paying much attention to what some of the other funk players were doing, like, say, like Eddie Hazel or um, and Funkadelic or any of those other uh, guys that were playing at that time? Did you get a chance to play with any of them? Did you pay attention to what they were doing? No. I think, you know, I, I thought that uh, I knew I wasn't the only guy out there playing. But I knew that the songs that the Ozzy Brothers were were doing and the songs that I was on, it's like they're very strong and they don't take a backseat to nobody. You know, <laughs> like listen, listen to the record. It's like you know that lady will. Yeah, uh, I went to the Fender headquarters in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and visiting, and I took my three guitars. And in the front, they had this great big F-E-N-D-E-R logo on the wall. And they have all of these song titles on the wall around Fender. Next to the giant capital F is that lady. And I was like, they didn't have to do that. But they're listening. <laughs> you know, that was what you don't look at. If you look at the word Fender on their headquarters wall, you'll see that lady next to the F. Before you see the F, it's like, thank you. <laughs> you know, so somebody's, you know, you're listening. You're listening and you know what it is. So it's like the when you do a good record, you know, when you do a good record, it's going to stand up over time. And in uh, that way, we've been fortunate and blessed that our music has uh, stood up. Uh, as well as it has, and you know, have to thank all the music lovers of the world for that. You know, you uh, referenced Who's That Lady a lot, and for good reason. But I just want to mention real quick a few of the other songs that really spotlight your playing. Um, Live It Up, Midnight Sky, Ain't It Been Good mm -hmm. To You, Hope You Feel mm -hmm. Better Love, uh, yes. Climbing Up The Ladder, yes. um, <laughs> go, for, go For Your Guns, yes. uh, Love Fever, Yes. Um, Say You Will, uh -huh. um, Under the Influence, Wow, yes. St Stone Cold Lover, and Are You Ready? Are You, Are you Ready, Ernie, is my ringtone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, how did you decide which tracks you were going to really unleash your six-string fury on? Did, did you want to, like, do that on 
on more songs and they had to settle you down or out? How did you decide that? No, you just, you come up with the song. You come up with the idea and then you try a lead on it to see whether or not it works. And if you're doing the song on a guitar to begin with, then it's a pretty good chance that um, Voyage to Atlantis will have a lead guitar uh, part uh, or climbing up the ladder will have a lead guitar part. Um, and see, that's not the only tone either. <clears throat> see, because there's <clears throat> the guitars say on Footsteps in the Dark. Uh, you can, wow. That's a great strumming that's, part. Yeah. yeah, that's just another, that's just another way that the instrument can be played. You know, it's just not uh, flat out lead, you know, with all due respect, there's all kind of ways for it to be played. I, I was listening the other day, uh, just out of context somewhere. I don't know where I was, but I heard the song uh, by Jimi Hendrix, Little Wing. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's, del- it's got a delicacy to it, you know. It's got it's got guitar on it, and he's playing it, but it's a different approach, you know. It's not like Foxy Lady, but it doesn't have to be. It's the way the song is, you know. And uh, certainly, uh, in addition to being able to play, he was able to come up with a lot of original ideas. Very good. Little Wind being one of them. So, uh, you know, and, and that's in the same way with whatever songs we were doing. You know, we're coming up with the idea. And uh, if it's there, then uh, it's going to work. Somebody told me that the, the Doobie Brothers did a version of a Need a Little Taste of Love, you know. And I remember hearing it. And they said, man, when you guys came out, with Need a Little Taste of Love, which is on the Live It Up album. I said, man, we love that. Because, it, yeah, it's got the guitar thing. It's got the rhythm guitars, and it's got uh, a lead on it, too. So, uh, you know, we like I said, we were just chasing the music. And um, that's why we were able to to do the songs that we, we did, do the records that we did. What was your personal favorite to do? Was it to be in a funk groove, to be soloing away, to be... You know, doing that strumming kind of coloring part, or uh, you know, what was really it for you? If the song idea is good, you know, and all of them had, you know, all of them that we did had that quality, then at the moment of doing the song, yeah, you know, it was uh, it was something that I liked, and I wanted to play more than one way. So that, um, I mean, like that lady has a rhythm guitar on it too. Mm-hmm. And the rhythm guitar is the first one that you hear. And it's not strumming, it's fingering. You can hear fingering. And then you have the lead on top of that. So, you know, there's, I, I was in a, like a Sam Ash store once. I happened to walk in and there were these two guys messed around with a guitar and he was trying to play, I could tell, he was trying to play the rhythm guitar part for that lady. And I walked past him and I said, hey man, it's not bad. And I kept walking. And 
after about to the count of like four or five, they turned around and saw me and said, oh my God, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I laughed. I was like, you know, <laughs> you, know you want to play it, play it. You know, I'm not mad at you for playing that lady. I'm like, come on. Oh man, but you know, that's you, man. That's you. I said, hey man, I'm glad you're doing it. You know, you, how long you been playing? Oh, you know, seven years or so. Hey man, you trying to get the rhythm part to that lady down, that's good. Because, you know, that's one of the parts. That's one of the signature parts to that song. You know, so uh, um, it's just as long as people, as long as they have an appreciation and love for music, you know, in many ways, there's that means there's hope for the world. Because you know, uh, that's what connects everybody. Can you see this? Hell yeah, High Wire. Yeah, so at last, in 1990, you finally put out your own record, and I was thrilled, yeah. and it was everything I ever hoped it would be. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So to me, this was the strongest Isley's record since the 3 plus 3 stuff. Um, Thank you. It, 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 did, it wasn't a huge success, but um, how would you feel about it? At the time, uh, Bob Krasnow, rest in peace, was president of Electro Records. And he pulled me to the side uh, sometime in 1990 when that was out. And he said, you know, Ernie, out of all the records that came out in 1990, all the albums, your record, Highwire, had the best reviews of everybody on this company. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. He said, you know, you do another record. We promise to not, we promise to not drop the ball. <laughs> and I laughed a little with that. But, um, you know, you put out a record and it's there. And, you know, you can be waiting, wait, you know, to be discovered or, or rediscovered. Uh, I know, like, Move Over and Let Me Dance wasn't, uh, it, it made a lot of noise locally, but not necessarily nationally. And later on, as uh, folks discovered that, you know, the guitar player of Move Over and Let Me Dance is Jimi Hendrix. Then everybody went after that record. You know, all the connoisseurs and listened to him play rhythm. And it's like, you know, so your music can always be discovered or rediscovered. And certainly ours is, is in the category of, of being discovered and, and rediscovered because we, uh, we're fortunate enough to have that uh, aspect uh, going on. I mean, I've walked in the hotel lobbies and... Uh, see guys in tuxedos and women in gowns and get on the elevator with them and they go up to the fourth floor and the door open and I hear, well, you know, you make me want to kick my heels up and, and they're dancing out the elevator. I have to laugh. <laughs> like, you know, maybe I should come back down and join them, but you know, they're having a great time with the song Shout and, and that's a wonderful thing uh, for that to be able to happen. The shocking thing to me, Ernie, about your solo record, though, was up until that point, I had no idea that you could sing, and you really did carry it on that. Yeah, well, you know, it's like all of the Isley Brothers could sing. It's just that 
Ron Wisely has this uh, one of a kind tone and skill and gift. And, uh, you know, I might write Fight the Power, okay? But uh, hey, <laughs> he's got to sing it. Whatever, whatever I'm writing is like, uh, he's got to sing it because he's got the instrument that he's got. And uh, we think the world of him. He's, he's uh, so many people have, and Kelly and, and, and Rudolph too, so many people have copied their, uh, the things that they've done on record when it comes to singing. They use it as a uh, touchstone. I mean, Ronald and Rod Stewart did this a hard of mine together. They went number one. Um, and uh, he's got, he's, he's the only one, he's truly the only one like that in the business. Uh, I, I think he's one of the greatest of all time, really. Uh, yes. The way he is so equally yeah. adept at singing the hard stuff, singing the soul yes. stuff, singing. He can sing the phone book, as they say, and he yeah. can do it all. All of that in the, yeah, with the same instrument, yeah. The same vocal on uh, It's Your Thing is the same vocalist on uh, Hello, It's Me, or For the Love of You, or Twist and Shout, or Shout. And you know, you, you have a gift and a talent and a skill, and, and uh, thank God for it. How was it getting uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a few years back? Well, actually, I guess now you, you talked about time going fast. I think it was uh, back in 92. It's been like 25 years now. How, how, the, how, how was that experience? Coming up uh, 26. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how was it? It was, uh, it, was kind of, it was kind of fun. It was kind of surreal. I'm sitting at the table. The tables in the wall of Astoria were relatively tight you know and uh you know marvin and as another story marvin had excused himself to go to the men's room and uh as he's getting he hears a voice say i just love guys the brothers he turns around this johnny cash like, yeah. oh my god <laughs> marvin says you know me mr cash uh, thank you very much uh, you know it's, of course i know you guys I love everything you do. Wow. And I'm sitting at the table, and uh, the tables are tight. And somebody comes rushing past me and doesn't know that they step on my foot squarely. And they kept going. And I turned around and wanted to say, hey! And it turned out it was Billy Joel. <laughs> and I said, Billy Joel? Oh, okay, Billy Joel, I can forgive him. It's He's a pass. Like, where is he going? And I'm like, where is he going in such a hurry? And I looked where he was going, and Christy Brinkley was over there. I said, I can truly forgive you. <laughs> so, uh, and we had a chance to play. And the last two songs were, uh, the next to last song was Purple Haze. And I played lead and sang it. And the last song was Shout. And, of course, Ronald, Ronald sang it. You know, I'm getting ready to play. They were going to say, okay, we're going to do Purple Haze. And I saw Neil Young and Johnny Cash and 
Carlos Santana and BB King, everybody sort of stood back in the line. And I was the only one standing out there. Nobody told me, you're going to do this. And I was like, oh, okay. So that that was fun. I'm out there playing. I had on a tux and I threw the guitar behind my head. And I happened to look down and Kathleen Turner had her mouth wide open. Mm. Like, how is this guy doing that? You know, it was it was fun. It was fun. Wow, that sounds amazing. Um, oh, and the last thing, one of the last things was in leaving the next day, I was going back in for something. And walking towards me is Mr. B.B. King. And both of us started grinning. And I said, man, let me shake your hand and get some of that, what you got to rub off. And he busted it out <laughs> That I mean, that was... Wow, you know, because that kind of thing, um, if the guys in study hall could have seen me, they'd be amazed. Did, did he have Lucille with him? Yes. Because I don't think I've yes. ever seen him without Lucille. Yeah, he had he had his guitar with him. And uh, I think I might have had mine with, with me. Uh, they were both in cases, but, you know, he was walking. I'm like, man, let me shake you. Sir, let me shake your hand. You, you're just wonderful. He started laughing. And you know, you should have. You know, the the Hendrix uh, thing continued too with you getting involved in experience Hendrix and that tour. And I saw it. I think I want to say it was like maybe 2011 in uh, North Carolina, and um, just had a blast. Um, you know, is that yeah, is that yeah. something that you're still involved in? And how was that? How was the experience? Experience. Well, the first one was 2010. And it went quite well. It went, uh, that was the first time that they had toured twice in the same calendar year in 2010. Um, all of the guys on the show uh, played well. Uh, and uh, Susan uh, Trucks, yeah. She was. Tadeshi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's the name she uses. But I think about her husband. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, she was playing. She played well. But um, you know, living color. Uh, wow, uh, Kenny. Um, Kenny Wayne. Uh, yeah. And uh, I used to call him, because I'd hear him talking, I used to think of him as like, I started calling him uh, um, Kenny Wayne Smith, I think. And I was going to call him John Wayne, because he <laughs> he takes no prisoners. Uh, and um, there was uh, the drummer for Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, yeah, Double Trouble. Yeah, Chris Layton was yeah. Um but all of the all the musicians were great. They were, they were great. And uh, you know, we all had a chance to uh acknowledge, you know, a former Isley brother house guest and employee. And when I think about him, I think about the person, you know, because I had a chance to be around the person. Uh, the mythology part, and 
you know, that has its place. But uh, he's, to me, he's always a person. And he always, always played very well with a lot of feeling. And emotionally, he's my favorite. You know, he's, he's number one. With all due respect to whoever else plays. Uh, so that, that was uh, fun. Uh, the fact that his sister, Janie, was a part of it, that was fun. Um, Did you play any gigs uh, with Bootsy or Eric Gales? There was uh, a couple of gigs initially that uh, we we did have a chance to play together. And uh, like I said, everybody plays plays really well. And um, it was uh, – I'm glad I had a chance to do it. Uh, not to mention Billy Cox on bass. Yes. Playing Message of Love from the band of Gypsies. And, you know, the drums are playing, and I'm playing, and I hear the bass line sound just like the record. And it's because that was the guy on the bass on the record. You got the, you got the so gypsy on there. Thing. Yeah. The gypsy, yeah. Yeah, that was great. I want to show this to Ernie. Um, can you see that? Uh, it's the live. Two folks. It's the live um, DVD with you and Ronald. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Summer breeze, yeah. Grace hits live. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the better uh, commercially available videos I've seen of you mm -hmm. guys. So I want to recommend that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what what's your show like nowadays? What what uh, what tracks are you doing, and what can? Oh, people they're gonna know? hear. They're gonna hear everything from shout, uh, shout, twist and shout. It's your thing. This a heart of mine. Fight the power. That lady. Uh, between the sheets. Uh, choosy lover. Uh. Down low, down low and contagious. They're going to hear everything. You know, there'd be people sitting out there that came on board, you know, as Ronald says, you know, uh, some of y'all may not, he says, he might say early in the show, you know, we're going to go back and hit shout. Now, some of y'all may not, you know, may not know that song, but your grandmother knows it. <laughs> or your mother your mother knows it, you know, so uh, some of y'all may not know it's your thing, but your mother knows it, you know, so uh, because everybody didn't come on board, you know, at the same time. Some people, you know, they're aware of, uh, oh, between the sheets, but they may not be aware of Twist and Shout. So I said, what is it, Twist and Shout? It's like, yeah. Or something go, the, something go to stay in the night. I yeah, yeah, Curtis. Yep, yeah. yeah, Otis Day in the Nights. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I I guess because of Animal House and uh, what was this, the thing with uh, Whoopi Goldberg as a nun? Um, oh, ha something habit. Yes, something like that. But the, you know that that only means that you know shout will live forever because that's the highlight <laughs> of whatever they're doing. You know, and 
that's always a song that everybody can uh, join in on, you know. Uh, maybe one day we'll do that at the halftime at the Super Bowl with uh, people dressed up as uh, uh, like Ruby Goldberg wears his nuns and wearing togas like John Belushi and come out to the 50-yard line with American flags. So a little bit softer now. Hey, you got it all formulated. You know, I think, yeah, see, yeah, they're, yeah, they're ready to revamp that halftime most, show, I think. Yeah, be one of the most memorable halftime shows ever. You mentioned you mentioned uh, Santana, and you guys did that record with him last year. That's your most recent uh, recording. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what was that experience like? Um. Well, I was in the stu- uh, We were in Las Vegas recording, and I was in the studio playing maybe fifteen or twenty minutes in front of the time for the. Uh, session to start and I happened to be playing and he walked in Carl Santana walked in and I said well I guess I can stop playing now (laughs) and we both embraced each other we both laughed and my wife uh, took a picture of uh, Carlos and I together and you know when you listen to someone that uh, has played the way he is played and then you have a chance to you know see him in the flesh like that it's you know it's hard to wipe the grin off your face I was uh, sometimes when he was playing and we'd be playing together he'd be playing and I'd be looking at him and I I could feel my face smiling and uh, feel my face grinning and then he stopped and pointed to me and I started playing. And then I looked up and he was grinning. And it was just like an, a totally, thoroughly enjoyable uh, situation. His band is uh, top of the food chain players. Uh, his wife, uh, Cindy Blackman uh, Santana on drums is like kind of out of here. She's just, well, drum clinic the way she plays uh sounds like she's got uh eight hands or something back there mm-hmm. great great player lots of feeling so it was uh, it was really kind of indescribable in terms of where you would have appreciation for uh, what was going on and on, on everybody's part. How, how did you decide? How was it decided which which parts you would play versus Carlos? Uh, I think you know under the circumstances, usually I would leave that to him. You know, when he was playing in August of '69 on the boards at Woodstock, I had been playing guitar less than a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I saw the movie and I saw all these, you know, kungas and timbales and all this rhythm stuff going on, it's like, who is that guy? Because uh, I knew about Jimi Hendrix, of course. Uh, but it's like, Carlos Santana, that 
that guy is um, he's dangerous. <laughs> he can go get it, and he's got that percussion and stuff with him. He's like, look out, you know. So uh, I sort of deferred to him, mm-hmm. but we had a you know we sometimes we'd be playing together, and it would be like um, well there was a song we did, "Total Destruction of Your Mind." And it reminded me of uh, the chariot race in Ben Hur. It was as far as the guitars were. It's like they were. <laughs> I mean, it was like, yeah, come on, come on with it. You know, whatever he was playing, whatever I was playing, I'm like, man, I was out of here. So, which one was Charlton Heston? <laughs> well, it wasn't the men; it was the horses. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, you know, he's running it. You know, what he's playing, he's got horses running. What I'm playing, I got horses running. And the horses, you know, are running together. And it was like, yeah, if you have an appreciation for it. We even did a couple of gigs with him, guest appearances. And I could see, you know, when I would walk out there, there'd be guitar players like, wait a minute. We know Carlos is on stage, but that's Ernie Isley out there with him. They were like, wow. And they'd move closer to the stage. Um, there was uh, even times where he was playing something and we, he showed up here in St. Louis and we dropped in unannounced and came out there on stage and did a couple of songs from the Power of Peace uh, CD. And then we came back at the end in terms of the encore and whatever they were playing morphed into It's Your Thing, you know, mm. which was sensational. So I'd like to hear sp- that. Spontaneous, <laughs> you know, spontaneously, you know, with all the percussion and stuff going and it morphed into it and, you know, Ronald was singing. It's sensational. It's out wow. of it. Yeah. Um, when was the last time you found yourself behind a drum kit? That's a good question. Um, Mm. Actually playing? Well, I was behind the drum kit when Cindy Blackman Santana was playing. I was just <laughs> behind her observing. But it's like, why am I going to pick up a pair of sticks when this woman play like that? I can't hang with this girl. I told her, I said, Cindy, drums is my first instrument, you know. And seeing as drums are my first instrument, the way you play, I should be laying on my stomach, prostate in front of your drum kit. She just busted out laughing. Because you, girl, you're that good. You're, you're, wow, you're that good. Who do you hear today? Anyone in particular that you hear today that's more current artists that you say, yeah, they're definitely influenced by the Isley Brothers? They're definitely influenced by the Isley Brothers. By Ronald or by yourself or? Oh, well, Quite frankly, everybody is when you ask them. Um, I know I've had a chance to talk to Beyonce. I've had a chance to talk to Jay-Z. I've had a chance to talk to Ice Cube. I've had a chance to talk to uh, Questlove. So everybody. Jimmy Jam, everybody. It's like, yeah, Isley, special. 
So from that point of view, and like I said, we just got a Grammy award for the song uh, before I do. We'll be going out to, uh, I think we'll be going out to LA to pick it up. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, you're still there on a, on a, um, on a daily basis, which is really nice musically. Still be there, whether it's our records or something that somebody has covered as a cover version or something that somebody has sampled. Uh, uh, Biggie Smalls, uh, Ice Cube, uh, Leah. So, um, you know, I think everybody. I don't know who's going to play Rollo when they do the movie. But <laughs> it be interesting to see. Although um, I'm not aware of him covering any Isley songs. I think definitely Prince was influenced also. Yes. Yes, he was. Uh, he had done, he had done, um, there's something you can find on a computer with him doing Live It Up. Um, and I think when, when we did our record with, uh, it was in Minnesota. said, you know something, Ernie? If I picked the Prince is in town. If I picked up the phone and told him you were here, he'd come over to the studio. But he's like, I'm not calling you, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that I'm gonna use that the next time he say, uh, so, man, what's happening? He said, oh, the Isley Brothers was here. Yeah, Ernie was here. Ernie Isley? He's like, yeah. yeah man, he was playing. And... So, <laughs> but, uh, no, everybody. Everybody. You know, Michael Jackson, everybody. Jackson's. Well, I particularly hear a lot of Isley's influence in some of Prince's like ballads, those uh, like uh, falsetto ballads he does. Um, a lot of those very Isley-esque, in my opinion. Well, because if you do the music and you do it well and somebody listens, they cannot help but have it as a reference point. Whether it's uh, uh, Hello, It's Me or Make me say it again, girl, or you know, between the sheets, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's don't say good night, don't say good night, yeah, it's like all of them. When, uh, what, what else do you like to do, Ernie? What do you do in your non music time? Non music, well, music is always either directly or indirectly in the picture, but uh, we did go to Kansas City to see the Yankees. Play the Kansas City Royals. Um, we do have a chance to travel a lot uh, by way of the gigs, etc. Be like we're getting ready to leave tomorrow. Um, so I think it's just really uh, an appreciation for the time that you have. You got a reasonable portion of health and strength, then um, you just in, enjoy life. And appreciate it. You know, I'm a grandfather now. Wow, congratulations! Yeah, so she's like this little girl that's about a year and a half old. Uh, her name is uh, Isley Rose. So she's she doesn't know it yet, but anything I ask that guy, my grandfather, he's gonna say yes. <laughs> now <laughs> there's my, video proof of it. 
Yeah, never mind my yeah, never mind my mother and father. I got, all I got to do is ask him. He's gonna tell me that. So <laughs> she'll find that out. Ernie, I'm so appreciative of you spending the time with me today. Is there any uh, final, um, you know, message that you'd like to get out to the fans, to the public, and oh, just how much tell the fans, all of them, how much we appreciate their support. Uh, of us and uh, our music and um, how much we uh, enjoy performing uh, live for them. You know, um, that's about as close to, at this point, it's about as close to having your cake and eating it too. Uh, that's, re that's really a wonderful thing. So, Thanks to all the fans. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the great music over all the years. It's uh, going to live on forever. I hope so, man. I <laughs> hope so. You know, sometimes meeting your heroes can be a letdown, especially when they turn out to be egocentric, dull, or just outright jerks. And so it was all the more fulfilling to discover the humble, gracious, and engaging person that exists behind the Ernie Isley name and mythos. Wearing those glasses with his stubble, and his deliberate um, and low-key demeanor, at times he reminded me of Stevie Wonder. While the Isley Brothers 3 plus 3 period began to get a little too formulaic in the early 1980s, in my opinion, everything they recorded is essential. I hope you found your time with Truth and Rhythm well spent, and that you'll join me in championing Ernie Isley to the rock music masses and mainstream channels as one of the all-time guitar giants. Final special thank you out to Ernie, and also sincere thank you to you, the viewers and listeners. Be sure to look for upcoming Truth and Rhythm episodes and catch up with previous installments at FunkinStuff.net, on YouTube, iTunes, and other leading podcast providers. Be sure to subscribe to Truth and Rhythm on YouTube through the Funkin' Stuff channel. We need your support, so show the world you believe in the funk, jazz, and R&B artists and music featured on this program and want to hear from you. Drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. Tell me who else you might want to see on the show, what you've enjoyed about it. Heard from a lot of people lately, and uh, it's a lot of fun, so I appreciate it. Keep it coming. It's a two-way dialogue. So with that, as always, this is Scott, Dr. G. Skullfine, saying keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.